I want to uh, say thank you to our sound tech today, Adam Traha. Uh, I, uh, I don't like to do this, but sometimes I like to be well prepared and way ahead of the game, but sometimes things strike you in for a sermon late in the game. And so Cal, y'all know where Cal is? He went to that Auburn game. And, 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 and I was, I mean, a little bit hoping that they would almost win, but they won. So, but I want to thank Adam because, you know, Cal was gone. I texted him last night, hey, can you make this video work tomorrow? I'll get there early and see. And then I got here before the service, and he was on the phone with Cal. Uh, so thanks to Cal, who's in Texas or wherever he is. Cal has got an early wake up while he's on a vacation. <laughs> and thanks to Adam for hopefully making it work. Uh, we'll see in just a second. But, um, you know, Adam and Kathleen, Adam trained to do this job, and then he decided to sell everything he owned and live in a van for a year. So now I'm super glad you're back, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, and your sweet family. Um, but let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, you know, as the choir is saying, the, for me, I I feel a restlessness. I feel agitated I don't feel deep peace and joy in this moment and I just confess that to you God and I just pray for anyone here who needs a fresh outpouring of your spirit today that as the word is read and proclaimed and as we come to this table that we might be truly transformed by you by your power by your love by your spirit in Jesus name amen um I also want to thank our youth director, Jesse Thompson. He makes these sermons available online. And believe it or not, some people listen to them. And some of you ask me about it when they get behind. Say, I need these sermons. This is how I get to work, you know, in the, on Monday, you know. And so Jesse has turned them into a podcast, which is terrifying to me because now it's easier to listen. And so um, I have very mixed feelings about this, but I wanted to tell you, if you like podcasts, which I do, um, you can subscribe to, you know, you just Google Byron UMC or search for it in your, I think it's just in the iTunes podcast app, and I'm not sure about others. But that being said, I listened to the entire series this week, and I want to just say I love you all very much, and thank you for putting up with me. Um, I have so many bad habits as a speaker, and, and the, so I was just like, if you saw me this week, you probably heard me say, oh my gosh, I am the worst. This is terrible. What are you doing to these people? So, um, I'm going to do better. Um, but I did, there was a lot of good stuff in this series, and today's the last one. And there's been a lot of it. How do you get other people to change? And there's been a lot of what not to do, and then we've talked about what to do. You know, don't judge, don't overfunction for other people, work on your own stuff before you try to help somebody, don't cast your pearls before swine, don't offer help when it's not wanted or open to. You know, if they don't think they need it, <coughs> there may be a limit on what you should do. And then we talked about what we should do last week, which was pray, 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 that we must pray a lot 
that we must go to God if, if others and ourselves are going to be changed. We all want change. I want my life to change. I want your life to change. I don't want to be stuck. And so prayer is essential. And then today, and that's almost like, I almost feel like when I would tell people, like people say, what are you preaching on today? And I would say, the golden rule. And a little bit I could tell them, they would go, oh. <laughs> you know, like, is that it? Because it's so familiar to us. Familiarity breeds, yeah, contempt. And it's actually, the full quote is, uh, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. So perhaps we've become so familiar with this famous, famous, famous verse of Jesus that maybe it's unfamiliar to us, and that breeds contempt. So yeah, I, w- I, I want to go ahead and say, some of you are like, what? How do we get other people to change? Are you serious? Just the golden rule? That's all I get? I wanted something deeper. I wanted something, I wanted some new teaching. All I have is the oldest teaching there is. So I invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 12. Let's say it together. It's one verse. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The golden rule. When I was kid, a kid, I didn't understand the word rule had multiple meanings. All I knew was a rule that it was something that the teacher told you, and if you didn't do it, you got a note sent home and you got in trouble. I didn't understand of the rule being a ruler, a standard, right? The golden rule, the golden measuring rod, the golden standard by which all morality The law and the prophets. I mean, really, is Jesus overstating things today? Really? You're going to sum up the entire Torah and the prophets? The whole of how we are to be in this world is just, oh, just treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. You'll be fine. Really? (laughs) Does anyone else have trouble with that? The gold, and I, Jesus didn't call it that, but we've, we've named it that. The golden rule. I saw on Facebook this week, somebody said, how do you measure up to the golden rule? That's a good question. How do you measure up to the golden rule? The golden rule is not just a nice ideal, a moral platitude, a trite overused phrase that has lost its meaning and is no longer helpful. Jesus states that this encapsulates the entire law and the prophets. What is required if I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated? I had one person this week say, yeah, but I mean, don't you think some people, if you preach this, you know, they might say, well, well, I want, you know, what if, you know, you got some people that are wired up to be cantankerous, you know, and they'll say, well, What if I'd like people to be hard on me? 
I mean, I, I wish people would have been harder on me. And so therefore, treat other people the way you want to be treated. I'm going to be hard on them. That's pretty hard to argue with, isn't it? Isn't that treating other people the way you want to be treated? Is that getting at what Jesus is saying? Does that indeed sum up the whole law and the prophets? I would contend to you that it is possible. It is indeed possible for us to do this. I think the word that sums up the law, Jesus said something else that sums up the law. Remember? Love. Love one another as I have loved you. This sums up the law. This is love. What is required of love? What is required if I am really going to love Lynn and treat Lynn the way I want to be treated, I must actually see and know and perceive Lynn. Lynn can't be just some object in front of me that's some sort of projection, some sort of mirror that I'm going to then treat him the way I'd want to be treated, but actually I haven't even bothered to know who indeed he is. One word for this is empathy. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Uh, have y'all heard of Brene Brown? Woo! Um, after you listen to Beethoven's Ninth this week, uh, I want to encourage you to Google B-R-E-N-E, Brene Brown. She did a couple of TED Talks that went viral. She's got one of the top ten TED Talks that's ever been done. And somebody made a cartoon out of a little two or three minute part of one of her speeches. She's a researcher who's done work on shame and empathy and vulnerability. Fascinating! Oh, it's so, it's so, so good. And she's written some wonderful books, so I can't recommend her work highly enough. But I wanted to show this empathy because I think it really gets to the heart of this teaching today. Isn't that great? I love the cartoon. Oh, sorry. I love the eye roll on the, uh, the deer or whatever animal that was poking through. I don't know if y'all caught that, but at least you have a marriage. Uh, so, but I love that it, it sort of encapsulates what we want versus what we need. Um, and, and I think we all can be hit or miss with this. I think many of us can be really good at empathy sometimes, and then sometimes we're not. But I, I really like how um, she said that, did you catch what she said? That in order for me to truly see you and truly meet you in your place of need, I have to reach into myself and tap into part of my own pain and part of my own story. I don't know about you, those are the people who have helped me change. Were the people who could empathize who could connect with me and that's that's love that is love treat other people the way you want to be treated i don't know about you how do you want to be treated when you're stuck when you're in a dark place when you're overwhelmed i want someone who can meet me in that place and to, to know that i am not alone
the world is not this way, is it? We could all, we've all memorized the golden rule. But even in churches, rather than treating other people the way we want to be treated, what do we do? We talk about people negatively. Sometimes we avoid people. Well, I just, I don't want to bother them. We even shun people. Am I the only person that has been to the grocery store and changed my shopping pattern to avoid having to talk to somebody? No, I'm the only one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that. You know what I mean, right? It's like, oh, I don't, you know what? I really didn't need milk after all. Let's, right? We, like, we, we just don't have it. I don't have it in me. None of you. I would never do that to any of you. That's other people that I would do that to, right? Right? I don't have, right? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't have it in me to deal with you. That's a, that's, I don't have love. I mean, what I'm saying is I'm lacking in love. Where do we get this treat other people the way you want to be treated? We aren't doing that. So sometimes we do harm, like talking about people, avoiding people, shun people. And sometimes, like our three rules of Methodism, do no harm and do good. Sometimes we have opportunities to do good, but we don't. So it's not that we're, we're not talking about them, we're not avoiding them, but we're also not doing good to them. When someone's being picked on behind their back, do we speak up in their defense? When someone tells a, a terribly racist joke or a homophobic joke, do we chuckle along rather than, you know what I mean? Like we, we have these opportunities to, good, to do good and treat other people the way we want to be treated, but we shy away. Would you agree with me? Like, the golden rule is, it's a golden standard. But we are not measuring up. But Jesus has invited you and me into a world-changing, relationship-changing, real people in real places at real times, changing other people's lives. How? Through love. Jesus demonstrates that it is immensely possible. It is possible for us to be filled with the love of God and then offer that love to others. Has any of you ever heard of Stephen Ministry Training? It's a really neat program. I don't know, I, I don't know if we've ever tried it here or not. Um, and it's hard to do. Stephen Ministry is a hard but it's an idea that a pastor uh, is really not able to give the care that a congregation, once you reach a certain size, oh my goodness, you, you, can't, you can't begin to meet all of the spiritual and emotional and physical needs in a congregation. And so Stephen Ministry is a way to train lay people to give Christian care within the context of a congregation. And I went through this training Myself, when I was a layperson, and, I, and it's funny, I, I, I forgot everything else they taught me, but I remembered this. And so, this is right out of the Stephen Ministry Training Manual. And, 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 and the idea is, somebody is stuck in a hole, okay? And you can see that first example, that kind of looks like Brene Brown, the, the one on the left. 
you know, is the one who's kind of looking down into the hole and saying, hey, how you doing down there, right? Love you, praying for you, but can they help the person get out of the hole? No. And then the second example is what I, we talked about, you know, with, um, well, last week, you know, when we're trying to over-function for people, but we lack prayer. And so sometimes we're trying to help somebody, we get down in the hole with them, and then we're just as stuck as they are. So I can't help you, like let's say somebody is struggling with, I mean, whatever, it could be anything. I don't help you by just taking it all on and, and basically being as stuck as you are. That's codependency, right? But the way we help somebody is the person on the right. You see what they're doing? They are um, <clears throat> getting down into the hole, but they're holding on to something. You get that image there? And so that's that image of, I am going to do for you what you can't do for yourself, but I'm not going to take on more than is my share. And I just love this image because when I am struggling, do to others as you would have them do unto you. What I need is for somebody not to walk by, certainly not to do negative things, but for somebody, this takes intentional, thoughtful, action-oriented work on our parts. If we're going to actually help somebody, we're going to have to do something. So how do you get other people to change? It's interesting, I'm sure you've heard this before, nearly every world religion has a version of the golden rule, but they're almost always in the negative. So don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus is the first to um, teacher in spiritual history to transform it into a positive but do you see that that demands something of us like i think sometimes we take the golden rule as like even though it says treat other people the way you want to be treated i mean we use this in parenting all the time i mean it's like really easy it cuts to it is this how you would want to be treated no so don't do it but you see what i'm actually correcting is the negative does that make sense you know, don't be ugly to somebody because you don't want them to be ugly to you. Is that what Jesus said? No. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want people to do nothing for me. Leave me alone. So I know somebody in here has just thought that. They're like, I would love to be left alone. In Jesus' name, let it be, Lord. You know, <laughs> like, just quit bothering me. And I get that. I get that. But the problem is, we get, like Brene Brown says, we get stuck, we get overwhelmed, it's dark. And how many of you in this room right now have somebody in your life that that's where they're at? And probably more challenging than that, how many of you have somebody in your life that that's where they're at and you don't even have any idea? Because we fake it so well, you know? So, the Christian movement, the way of Jesus demands of us that we engage, that we do something, that we say something. I want to read a poem to you that um, I got actually when I was in rehab. 
It's by Portia Nelson. It's entitled Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Ready? Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I am in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. I love that, don't you? Okay, that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. And that's what we all want for our friends and our family, right? But even when I was in that version of my journey, I needed people like you who were a couple steps ahead of me to take the time. And offer me a precious thing. Love. Not mamby-pamby. Not it's okay. Not soft love. Real love. Real love. Do you have that in you to offer to others? Or do you need to be filled in you? I know I do. I'm, const- I'm a leaky vessel. And I constantly need more. So we're going to sing our way to the table today. We're going to sing a, a old beautiful version of uh, oh, one of the Psalms. I, I think Psalm 51. Um, Take a moment to sing and sing this from your heart to the Lord. Let's make ourselves open to be full vessels of love. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Take not thy hope. 
from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. You got the hang of it now? Let's sing this together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me.